Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, October 27th. Food banks are struggling to keep up with demand. How does Calgary and Alberta compare to the numbers across the nation? We get details on the nationwide 2022 hunger count from Betty Jo Kaiser, communications coordinator with the Calgary Food Bank. It looks like Rogers' $26 billion merger with Shaw has been put on ice, at least for now. Anyway, we talk about the future of the deal and how you may be impacted with Ben Class, PhD candidate from Carleton University's School of Journalism and Communication. Top-tier tennis will be served up in Calgary next month. We find out how you can get up close to the action with Danny DaCosta, CEO of the Austin and Victor Alberta Tennis Centre. And finally, if pizza and beer wasn't already the perfect marriage, a local business has found a way to improve upon it. We speak with Kyle Heyer from Half Hitch Brewery on the transition from pints to pizza and the birth of the MASH restaurant. Food bank usage in Alberta, the highest in the country. Joining us to talk about the numbers and the 2022 hunger count is Betty Jo Kaiser, communications coordinator for the Calgary Food Bank. Hi, Betty Jo. Good morning, Sue. Good morning, Andy. Pleasure to have you on, but unfortunately the news is not great. Tell us a little bit about the hunger count 2022 survey, what it, what it shows and why it's done even. Thanks, Sue. Yeah, it is not good news. So Hunger Count is a huge study, a landmark study, really, that covers the over 4,700 food banks across the entire entire country. And what it is is a snapshot. So the numbers are pulled from March. So the numbers we're talking about are all from March of this year and they're compared across the nation. So in March, we had huge numbers here. We distributed 11,000, over 11,000 hampers. And of course that was way up from the previous year. And Alberta is seeing really, really, really high numbers. And it's it's astonishing and it's shocking. And um, the people that are coming to the food bank, we are noticing are more and more Folks that, that have jobs that are working, they're just not able to stretch their dollars. That's my biggest takeaway, Betty Joe. and I'm looking at the Hunger Count uh, release, again, uh, fresh material out this morning, that says essentially employment is no longer a way out of poverty. And when you say employment, this isn't piecemeal work. These are families and folks with full-time jobs. Is that right? Yeah. Well, a full-time jobs or maybe, you know, they're holding down a couple of part-time jobs. So depending on their situation. So the unemployment rate in Alberta in March was relatively low. It was 5.4% uh, versus 8.10 last year. Um, Canada-wide, uh, the unemployment rate in March was the lowest on record since 1976, and yet food bank visits the highest they've ever been. So really it's folks that are just not able to make ends meet, to pay the bills. And, I mean, we've been talking about it. We've been hearing about inflation, cost of food, cost of fuel. Mm. It's all adding up. And the cost of accommodation, rent, housing, is such a key factor. People, the first thing that comes off the, off the budget is food when you're trying to make all, pay all of those bills. That's why we're seeing the higher numbers. Yeah, you need the roof over your head. You need to be able to heat your home and food. Yeah, it's long past secondary, isn't it? So, Can you break down a little bit specifically for us here in Calgary and, and at the Calgary Food Bank, what you're seeing in the numbers and the increase there? So, yeah, so we're seeing now 
The numbers is a 106% increase uh, over the pre-pandemic numbers, but I think it's really important to note, too, that pre-pandemic, people could only access a food hamper every 30 days. When the pandemic hit, we saw a real surge in demand. Uh, The Calgary Food Bank pivoted and changed some things, and one of those things was that folks can call every 10 days to access a food hamper. So that does account a little bit for that higher number. Um, Again, the types of people that are attending or uh, needing to access the food bank, um, it's a little bit all over the map. Uh, 37% children, so that's part of families. 42% are singles. 11% single parents. Well, it's a little bit all over the map in terms of uh, the demographics of that. But uh, the biggest reasons, um, full-time income, income is just not sufficient. Um, people are either unemployed or looking for work. And the other one is insufficient, insufficient fixed government benefits. The last time we saw a bit of drop in usage was when CERB came out. Uh, during the pandemic. And that extra support from the government definitely helped people because they our numbers actually dipped during the pandemic in the summer there when CERB came out. But those are the, the, the main reasons cited why people are coming to the food bank. Does this underscore Betty Jo? And obviously, you know, you have an organization that provides one incredible, valuable service to Calgarians and Southern Albertans for that matter. That the food bank isn't something that it seemed to me 10, 15, 20 years ago, we only talked about it Christmas. This is a mm-hmm. true 365 day a year thing that people should be concerned about, those who aren't using but supporting food banks. That's right. Um, you know, the need is absolutely around uh around the year obviously this we're getting into the giving season where people think a little bit more about you know what can i do to give back uh anyone that's able to offer funds or food we really appreciate it the gift of time i mean 40 percent of the workforce in our warehouse is volunteers so when you think that we're filling between three and four hundred hampers every single day that's a lot of manpower so if if people have some time on their hands and they're able to commit to a few hours one day each week that's a huge help but guys hunger just doesn't happen by itself and in isolation and i think that this hunger count report it really highlights that as low-income workers are flooding our food banks it's time for decision makers to put some policies in place that can guarantee that those that work will always have enough money to put food on the table. We want all Canadians to have enough money to be able to put food on the table. So there's some policy changes that really need to start happening now. I don't know if you can answer this, but you you sort of see the day-to-day and what's going on. When doing this hunger count, Alberta has the highest numbers in the country. Why do you think that it is our province that's, that's suffering the most? Oh, that's such a good question, Sue. I mean... It's a it's, it's a kind of a phenomenon, isn't it? it? Well, it kind of is, and I mean, it's tough when you look at the the best way to really describe it is looking at your own family budget and your own situation, your own household. So, uh, knowing that the cost of rent and uh, affordable housing in this province is it's it's very very hard to find. It is impossible. We've heard um, people at different levels of government discuss this and talk about it. It's a serious problem. So I do think that that um, 
how much it costs to just to, to find a place to live for that accommodation housing. I think that's a really, really big piece of it. And all of those inflation costs that go up, the fuel, the, the, the cost of food, all of it. And of course, you know, when I talked about those inflation or the um, employment rates in March, it was still relatively low. So I think that there was people getting, getting jobs, but they're part-time jobs or they're temporary mm-hmm. jobs. It's just not enough to be able to get them at that place where they're able to uh, make ends meet and pay all the bills. Betty Joe, thanks for the information. Thanks for your time this morning. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. We really appreciate you helping us bring awareness to this. Anything we can do. That's uh, Betty Joe Kaiser, communications coordinator with the Calgary Food Bank. If you can help out, uh, either with food or volunteering, or to find out more about the resources available, it's calgaryfoodbank.com. We're joined this morning by Ben Klass, PhD candidate, Carleton University School of Journalism and Communication. Good morning to you, Ben. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on your program, Sue. Okay, so can you explain why this threw the whole deal off the rails and where you think we are at right now? No, actually, I think that uh, the early takes on that uh, announcement were incorrect. And what the minister is actually doing here is giving some pretty loose conditions on what he will accept to approve the deal. All right, so it's still going to go ahead. Uh, that's the thought process. Is this just going to slow things down, Ben? Is that what we're talking about? Uh, no, I think, you know, uh, there's two uh, hurdles that this merger has to pass at this point. The Competition Bureau is challenging that merger, which I think is the right thing to do for Canadian consumers. The minister in this announcement is basically saying that Videotron will be allowed to take over Freedom Mobile in BC, Alberta, and Ontario if it meets two conditions. If it will continue running the business for 10 years, and if it promises to charge the same price in the rest of Canada as it does in Quebec. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much concern over this deal. This is two juggernauts kind of coming together, and does that, I mean, are we, the consumers, is it going to be the ones who suffer because of it? Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's always consumers who uh, are paying the bills, and this announcement is unfortunately disappointing and unambitious. You know, the minister is supposed to be representing the interests of consumers, and not the interest of the large billionaire families who are uh, sort of playing monopoly with our cell phone services. How much of anything that we have seen over the past couple of weeks and moving ahead, Ben, was impacted by that Rogers outage nationwide on July 8th? I think we saw the government's type of response in that case to call up the executives and ask them to do better. And this is sort of the same approach they're taking to the merger. You know, this is a clearly anti-competitive merger. And we have a minister of um, industry who's saying, you know, if if they meet these conditions that I'm asking them to do, uh, we'll let this anti-competitive merger go ahead. And I, you know, I don't even see any strings attached here. So, Ben, you mentioned disappointing. You mentioned Quebec. How much different are the rates in Quebec versus, for example, here in Alberta? It's an interesting question. You know, the big carriers, Bell, Rogers, and Telus, have dropped their prices to meet the competitive threat that Pierre Carl Peladov's Videotron poses in Quebec, more than they have in other provinces. But actually, Shaw's Freedom Mobile and Shaw's Shaw Mobile brand in BC and Alberta are oftentimes offering better prices for their services than what Videotron is in Quebec. So I think looking forward, it's possible that this minister's announcement is setting the stage for a price increase for some people out west. Mm. You know, we, we talk so much about the wireless aspect uh, within this and e- even the, c- the cable assets. What about the media assets? Do we know anything about that, Ben? Yeah, so there's not going to be a significant transfer of media assets here. It's mostly about cable, internet, 
and uh, mobile wireless services. The uh, the TV assets are not part of the deal. Um, however, I think you could see with Rogers taking over the cable operation, it's sort of funneling more money to uh, City TV and uh, its properties that are less focused on uh, the Western provinces and more on Toronto. I don't feel like we've heard the last of this. Thanks so much for your time and the discussion this morning, Ben. Appreciate it. Likewise. Have a good day. You too. Ben Klaas, PhD candidate, Carleton University School of Journalism Communication. Like you said, this will probably be in the business reports yeah. uh, for, for weeks mm-hmm. ahead. Although I would like to get involved with some of those lower prices per month for cell phones. Who wouldn't? Yeah, that's the age-old quandary. Ugh. And if we have to get there through something like this, because that could bump and increase competition. If one of these are forced, one of these providers to have lower rates... I think the others would be following suit, don't Agree. you? Yep, for sure. World-class tennis is going to be served up in Calgary in November. Joining us to talk about the Calgary National Bank Challenger is Dana, Danny DaCosta, who is the Chief Executive Officer at the Austin and Victor Alberta Tennis Centre. Good morning to you, Danny. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. This is an exciting event. It's always a big one. You bring in some great names. We'll get to those who are participating in this tournament in a second. But tell us about the National Bank Challenger. Where does it fit in with uh, the big tournaments that we experience? Yeah, it's, a, it's a, certainly a big tournament. Uh, Challenger is sort of a, uh, you know, sort of viewed as a developmental tour. It's um, a lot of players coming up through the system as well as uh, some established players maybe who are coming off of an injury or, or on the downside of their career. Let's talk about the fact that tennis, and it's interesting because I live down in the south, tennis and the popularity of it in Alberta. I know this is kind of a general question, but it seems to me that people are picking up their rackets and getting involved. Do you see that? Yeah, absolutely. Tennis is growing immensely. Uh, We've actually just recently uh, completed an expansion of our facility, uh, which will allow us to have 70,000 more court hours a year of indoor tennis um so we're, we're very excited our programs are full to capacity and uh, we're, we're delivering tennis right now to about thirty thousand people in in alberta uh and we'll be able to expand now with the uh, covered court project that just completed in september awesome well we're excited for the expansion we're excited for the tournament tell us who's coming for this big tournament that Cal- in calgary that people can go and watch and see yeah, I got a lot of really good, great names, uh, some young established stars and some sort of recognizable names. So the first one uh, goes without saying is uh, Eugenie Bouchard's coming into town, former world number five, uh, Wimbledon singles finalist in 2014, uh, one of the most iconic uh, and most recognizable females and uh, athletes mm-hmm. in the world. Uh, Vasek Pospisil, Canada's number three, uh, was formerly top 25 in the world. He won Wimbledon doubles. Uh, and he's uh, one of the Canadian, uh, Canada's best players of all time. And then also coming is uh, Germany's uh, Sabine Lasicki. Uh, Sabine was the 2013 Wimbledon singles finalist. Uh, she's beaten the likes of Serena Williams, Venus Williams, uh, Maria Sharapova. Uh, she's coming off of a serious knee injury and uh, will be making her return on the, on the tour with, at our event. All right, where do we get our tickets? I know we've got, you know, it's just over a week long. Uh, you pick, uh, you buy tickets for the whole event, or can you pick and choose what you want to see, Danny? Yeah, you can buy a week pass, uh, which gives you access to the, all the matches throughout the week. Uh, but there's also day tickets available, and you can buy those at calgary.nationalbankchallenger.com or through showpass.com. Okay, and tournament itself, November 5th through the 13th. All the details and tickets, can they buy tickets online as well, Danny? 
Yeah, you can buy tickets online, and you can also buy them at the door. It's not a problem. Okay, perfect. Calgary.NationalBankChallenger.com and uh, AlbertusTennisCenter.ca, ATPTour.com. Lots of places to go for information. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. No problem. Thank you, and have a great day. You too. Danny DaCosta, Chief Executive Officer at the Austin and Victor Alberta Tennis Centre. Small businesses in Calgary are thinking outside the box in order to be successful, in this case, the pizza box. On top of their day-to-day operations, a lot of these businesses looking at how they can be environmentally conscious as well. Well, joining us to talk about an Alberta success story is Kyle Heyer, who is the co-founder and CEO of Half Hitch Brewing Company and The Mash. Hi, Kyle. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys doing? Excellent. Thank you. Thanks for, for joining us. So tell us a little bit about your success story. What came first, Half Hitch Brewing or the Mash? Well, it was Half Hitch Brewing. Uh, you know, we started. We actually, uh, you know, started producing in 2016. And as far as the family business is concerned, we we started the idea for it back in 2013. Um, you know, we the biggest. The biggest benefit with the mash is that we use the spent grains from the pe- from the from the brewing process in the pizza dough, um, you know, and that and that's the that's the golden egg that we're effectively sitting on right now. And and realistically, we've been trying to find ways to to incorporate the spent grains into something, whether it's baking items and so on. But you know, when we developed the mash model uh, back in 2019. It was it was a really a case of okay well let's take the spent grains let's figure out the best way to incorporate it into a pizza dough because as you said pizza and beer how does it how do you get a better marriage out of that and and uh, you know we just we took it from from concept to execution and we we brought it forth into a takeout and delivery model and and we use each one of, each one of our locations to really set forth a culture versus trying to uh, trying to get a you know a turnover interior so. You know, it's it's very culture driven, you know, and it's very sustainable in the fact that we're using the spent grains. You know, we use, we usually give it out to livestock and, and, and farmers in the area and there's a program that, you know, we've we've been a part of for a while now that no spent grain goes to waste, but we produce so much of it. You've you know, you when you're reducing you know, the sugar content and the starch, you know, in the brewing process, you're left over with a high protein, high fiber uh byproduct and it's 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 almost silly not to want to try and get that put to use somewhere, mm-hmm. you know. And so, you know, now that we've we've we incorporated into the pizza dough, and we didn't even realize, you know, how good the, the pizza was going to turn out, and and the uh, I guess the traction that it received right out of the gate was somewhat surreal and humbling. So, you know, there, I, that would be the the biggest part of the success story is, is just that. You know, we knew it was a great model. You know, just in just in fact that it was just pizza and beer. You know, and we ended up making a, a really good product that took the market took really well to, and you know, and so we just kind of, you know, wanted to you know, ride that moment, that wave of momentum, and uh, you know, take it to you know further reaches throughout Alberta. You know, we've got St. Albert location, two in Edmonton, one up and coming right now, and and uh, you know, five in Calgary, one in Airdrie, and we'll be opening one in Chestnut here shortly. So it's awesome. it's been it's been a you know. It's been a really fun experience, very humbling experience. You know, growing into ten locations in a matter of two years is is no easy task. And yeah. and uh, you know, as a family, we we all just bought in, and and everybody's just been really uh, you know putting their heads down and 
and uh, you know grinding away and making this happen. So yeah. it's been it's been a blast. Well, I've, t- I've tried the beer. I've tried the half hitch, and I very much like it. I'm a beer fan. I'm unabashedly. I'll throw it out there. Um, yeah, and I love, I love pizza. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I love pizza, uh, uh, but I'm wondering, you say it's worked very well. Does it change using these spent grains? Does mm-hmm. it change the taste of the pizza? Would an average pizza lover be able to taste something different? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and that was, uh, you know, you get a bit of a more of a, a sweeter taste to it. And it really... It really adopts the style of beer that we made. So our, our Papa Bear would be a uh, 100% Canadian cereal ale beer, and we u- utilize the grains from that. So you're going to get a little bit more of a, a sweeter taste to it. You know, and then we, because we're not milling the grains even further, you get a different texture to it as well. You know, and I think the one, one of my favorite comments on, on Facebook that in the earlier days is don't insult the crust with a dip. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and it really spoke to, you know, ju- just spoke to the, you know, the quality of, uh, of the, the dough that we were putting out there. So, um, yeah, you definitely get a, a, a more of a, a sweeter flavor to it. Um, and then just the, the style of the pizza that we're putting out really uh, complements that. So our best seller is currently the dill pickle bacon pizza. You know, and, uh, M-G. Say that right. again, the dill pickle bacon pizza? That is correct. You know, it's something that nobody really saw coming. We didn't either. But, you know, all of a sudden it just becomes an absolute staple and top seller. And then the next one to that is a wild mushroom. And you can show some bacon on, one, on that one, too. Why not? We're coming for lunch and Andy's buying. Okay, Kyle? <laughs> 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 yeah, no, it'd be our pleasure to have you for sure. Well, much success. I know, you know, opening through COVID, congratulations on that and being successful and just continuing to expand and, and being environmentally conscious while you do it. It, it really is uh, perfect. Good on you. And and uh, again, wishing you much success with, with uh, MASH and with Half Hitch as well. And uh, well, hopefully people will go check it out and support local. So thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. We appreciate this. Appreciate it. Kyle Heyer, co-founder, CEO of Half Hitch Brewing Company and The Mash, halfhitchbrewing.ca and masheats.ca. Is it too early for pizza and beer? Never. Asking for a friend. Dill pickle and bacon? What? Sounds breakfasty.